That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Hey Jake, well here we are uh, recording another episode of Same Old Song, and uh, I'm just reminded of the words of uh, DJ Easy Rock and Rob Bass that it does take two to make a thing go right, and so you, me, uh, let's see if we can... Make the two it of out us of can sight. do this. Yeah, we'll that's make it right. Out of sight. Yeah, that's right. I love that. Uh, that's that's such a good that's such a good jam, man. Uh, that should be never... actually our processional hymn this Sunday. <laughs> I want to rock Hit. right now. I'm Rob Bass, and I came to get down. I'm not so. internationally known, but I'm known to rock the podcast microphone. Mm. Because I'm outrageous. Anyway, Well, here we are. And so how are you doing, Aaron? (laughs) Jake was like, let's cut that off as quickly as possible. No one needs more Episcopal clergy trying to rap Uh, to 90s jams. I'm going to need a leg surgery because I can't stand on that. So Need that like a hole in the head. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. As we were chatting a little bit beforehand, I had some good Balcones Texas whiskey uh, last night. I was invited to a tasting. And, uh, you know, I'm not a young man anymore. So I'm feeling that a little bit today. Mm. I did not. I was not overserved, but uh, I'm just... Um, I'm just not made of as strong of stuff as you are, my uh, my Arizona brother. Mm. Well, Aaron, we have a meeting for that. And so... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, I can. I can quit anytime. Yeah. Well, yeah. here we are, and um, I am doing another great. episode. We hope our bishops don't ever listen to. <laughs> yeah. Would you they, like to talk about your mezcal problem? Praise God. So they're they're probably the uh, they're probably definitely the only two people not listening. So we're doing all right on That's the listeners, right. and want to give a shout out to our listeners, and so and uh, hope this helps. Um, uh, and so, but uh, we've got a we've got some ground to cover today. We've got Jeremiah chapter thirty one verses twenty seven through thirty four. We have Second Timothy chapter three verses fourteen to four five, and Luke chapter eighteen one through eight. And we're making our way to the end of Luke's gospel. And uh, but this is exciting. So, but actually, praise God, I think this is one of the last Sundays of Jeremiah. And so uh, we can all get out of this profound state of depression <laughs> and, uh, you know, and once again, fool ourselves into thinking it's really not that bad. So Everything's uh, fine. I'm fine. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, although with Jeremiah 31, so again, this is, uh, we are, this, this is for Sunday, uh, the uh, 20th of October, uh, which is the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, or, or sorry, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, proper 24, which means we're ending, um, we're getting we're getting deep into fall, almost winter now mm. at this point. We, there's not much more to go. And I think it's worth noting um, that this is the 50th episode you and I have recorded. Oh, uh, wow. So we, we got to make it count. So mm. try not to suck as much this time, Jake. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Here we are, uh, Jeremiah thirty-one, and it's it begins with a good uh, a good word. I mean, this is even Jeremiah is cheering up a little bit here. He's saying, "Yes, things are bad now, but the days are surely coming when I will 
sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals, which sounds weird, I got to say, at first mm. blush. But what he's, there's a bunch of things that he's saying which are really amazing. So the fact that he's sowing seed, God is a planter here, a farmer, and he's, he's putting seeds in the ground of humans and animals. You know, there's, he's going to restore the land. Uh, mm. And... Uh, um, and, it, and you know, sowing seed it doesn't happen overnight, so it's going to take some time. But the other interesting thing here is he says the house of Israel and Judah, which have been split. There's a big family feud, and they've been broken apart for a long time. And so the fact that he doesn't just say the house of Judah, which was sort of like the good one, mm. uh, uh, he's saying I'm going to restore everything and kind of put, put Humpty Dumpty back together again and to, and to rest, kind of restore all things. So it's a hopeful word. What, what would you say about the rest of this passage? Well, you know, and then you have this interesting saying here, and, uh, you know, uh, the parents have eaten sour grapes, you know, sour grapes, and the children's teeth are on it, set on edge, you know. And I think just like in every age, kind of teeth are, except for in England, teeth are a very important huh. thing, and them being straight is a real Aww. testimony to uh, prosperity and health. And, uh, and uh, what God is saying is that in those days they shall no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes or the children's teeth are set on edge. And so um, basically there's something new that's happening. And it's not just happening in, in Judah, the good house. It's happening in Israel as well. And so, yeah. and this is, and what's the new thing that's happening? Well, ultimately the new thing that's happening is, is a new covenant, a new way of relating to God. Um, one that is not going to be superseded by the old covenants, but uh, will be fulfilled in it. Yeah, and the song that you guys want to allude to, preachers, if you want to, you know, just grab those '90s uh, rock fans, would be NXS's "New Sensation." Mm. That there's a, which is a great opening. If that if that could be your processional hymn, that'd be pretty great too. Mm. Uh, but yeah, God is doing something new, and it it, it highlights this distinction that. That the new boss is not the same as the old boss when it comes to Christianity. Uh, the the new covenant is not specifically going to be like the old one. God says it explicitly, and there is kind of a movement in the church, and we don't have to get into the new perspective on Paul and all sort of stuff, and don't preach on that because your listeners' eyes will glaze over. Um, even Jake is about mm -hmm. to fall asleep yeah. as I, as I look at him here. <laughs> but the, the whole uh, temptation to kind of make Christianity just... Basically, Judaism for Gentiles, or just kind of a, just another ethical system for people to follow, with a little bit of extra help from Jesus. There's, in you know, there's plenty in the New Testament that talks about the major difference mm. that Jesus ushers in. But even way back here in the Hebrew Scriptures, you have Jeremiah himself uh, speaking the word of God that this new covenant is going to be different, um, yeah. and it's something that emphasizes what. God is going to do as opposed to what we will do. And it's this, um, you know, monergistic sort of statement. Synergism is the idea that you and me make beautiful music uh, together with God, that it's something that, mm. that we cooperate with God. And I was just reading today a testimony of someone in First Things who talked about uh, his spirituality, and he was trying to uh, just practice all these spiritual disciplines and do all the stuff and kind of grow in grace as he cooperated with God to do it. And it left him in such despair because he could never do enough. His actions were always, uh, um, you know, stained with uh, uh, kind of self-absorption or just too much self-awareness, self-congratulations, or aware of his poor motivations as he was trying to do more spiritual things. And it just left him in this kind of hole, spiritually speaking. Mm. And and so here we hear this not cooperate with me, 
it's God saying, I will put my law within them, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God. And, yeah. Um, and, so, yeah, it's a big deal. And this, is, and this really is what, what Jeremiah is saying, is, is that everything is about to be changed here in a very profound, profound way in how we relate to God. So oftentimes we think that it's the exterior, you know, that, that matters. It's, it's kind of, you know, the action apart from the intention. And, um, and, you know, and that's what, that's what the law does when it's outside. It's just all about, yep. about the, the outside. And however, what, what Christianity has always been about, and finding its roots in Judaism here, what Judaism actually should have always been about, is the heart. And, uh, and what God is saying here is, is that um, something new is going to be is going to happen. It's never has been, nor will it be about something on the outside. I'm actually going to come in and give you a heart transplant. Um, I'm going to place that law in your heart, and you're going to bear fruit. And this is why it says, No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least yeah. of them to the greatest. You know, And this is what the gospel does on a profound level. Con genuine Christian conversion gets rid of spiritual hierarchy. You know, it puts us all on the same playing field. And... Um, and, uh, and because we're all resting in the forgiveness of our iniquity and uh, the yeah. fact that God himself remembers our sin no more. Yep. You know, I, I have to say something here. I, I, uh, um, you and I have both sometimes been accused of being weak on sanctification and kind of talking too much grace, mm. um, too much forgiveness, too much pardon. And the thing about it is um, the alternative would be to tell people to do stuff, tell people to get their act together and... Um, and to be sure, there's nothing wrong with all the good things that Scripture commands us to do. There's nothing wrong with uh, having a, a regular and uh, profound prayer life. There's nothing wrong with reading Scripture. But the thing that you've alluded to, Jake, just reminds me of the fact that most Christians that want me to tell them more about what they should do, they do not realize that even if I were to do so, and then they as a result would then start doing those things, even though, parentheses, they already know they should be doing those things and I'm not giving them any new information, close parentheses. Even if they were to do them, those actions would be morally repugnant to God because they're not doing them because they want to do them. Uh, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart. So if whatever you're doing doesn't come from that place, it is bankrupt. It is totally vacant and uh, null and void because Jesus says, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, which everybody likes to say, like, gosh, you know, it's the heart of the ethical teaching of Christianity. And could you just tell us more about that? It's like, sure, but I won't leave out the end, which Jesus says, be perfect, mm. as my Heavenly Father is perfect. So, anyways, I, I, I just, um, I want nothing more than to see people grow in their Christ-likeness. I just don't think it's going to happen because I tell them to. It's going to have to be an inside job, because the best I can do is get you to do it, but if there's part of you that doesn't really like it or want to do it, then it doesn't really count. So, mm. the most Christian act is one that is completely self-forgetful and that you're not even aware you're doing it. So, mm. here endeth the rant. Um, just had to get that off my chest. Thanks for humoring, humoring me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's really encouraging. And so then you come to kind of basically um, um, Second Timothy, and uh, we're wrapping up these pastoral epistles, and, uh, and uh, Paul's got some things to say here. Yeah, and it's interesting. So 
there's so much good stuff you get about the early church in Second Timothy. Mm. Uh, I love this, and Timothy obviously was uh, known to church history as the bishop of um, Ephesus eventually, uh, and he's someone who came from a family of faith. He learned it from his ancestors, mm-hmm. uh, his mom and his grandmother, and he's and so Paul's message is not to do something new, but just continue in what you've learned and remember how you've known it since you were a kid. And he talks about the sacred writings, um, mm-hmm. meaning uh, pointing out on Scripture and how we know anything about Jesus and you know what keeps us connected to the gospel. Well, like we just read in Jeremiah there, we read about God writing his law in our hearts. And so, uh, and mm-hmm. it, Paul's wonderful instruction here that uh, the reason we read the scriptures, the sacred writings, they're enable, they, they are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning they That's always right. point us to Jesus and they always call us to put our faith in him. Um, the Bible is not some magic book that just by memorizing will sort of uh, give us gold stars with the Lord. It, the Bible is to point us over and over mm-hmm. to Jesus Christ. Um, so that's that's uh, that's yeah. what sort of jumps out to me here. Yeah, I think it's really, you know, uh, Paul said all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. Um, you know, and yeah. this is a really important thing in our understanding of scripture. You know, we do not have a Quranic faith. A lot of people think about this as if some sort of like spirit possessed the apostles as they jotted it down, or maybe the Bible fell down right out of heaven. But what makes the Bible inspired is the one whom it points to. This is yeah. what makes it God's word. And, um, and this is why it is good for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, is because it points us to the one who forgives our sins, which then converts our heart, as Jeremiah points out to, yeah. which equips us for true good works, ones that are right. fruit coming from a good place, as opposed right. to from a place of obligation, as you mentioned earlier. And that's the yeah. connect, profound connection between these two readings. But he goes on to say, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge of the living dead, um, and then in view of his appearing in his kingdom, a.k.a. and also because he showed up, you know, in real yeah. history. And then he's like, now I solemnly urge you to do this one thing, you know, and it's not set up a soup kitchen, although that's great. But the main thing, the work of the apostles and the work of the preachers is to proclaim the message, you know, and uh, and oftentimes it's going to be unfavorable, but uh, proclaim the message and uh, with the utmost patience. Um, in teaching. And this is amazing because the truth is, and we see this all over the place, there's coming a time, and ma- many of us are in it, when um, sound doctrine is, people aren't interested in it. You know, we're interested yeah. in whether it's five steps to balancing your bank account, or whether it's, you know, um, whether it's, you know, some sort of, you know, cause, but but our itching ears are always looking for Jesus plus something. You know, our itching yeah. ears are always looking for something additional. And what St. Paul is saying here is, is that, man, just hang on. You know, yep. this, is, this is what it's about, the gospel. Yeah, and I think, you know, there is um, a tendency sometimes, by the way, my version, it's a newer translation, proclaim the message while wearing Yeezys. Mm. That's, um, that's the way to grow a church. I don't know if you were aware of that, Jake, mm. but it's well, all about what I'm trying Well, what I'm trying to do is install in the chancel a giant heart-shaped bed, and then I, Ooh, and me and yeah. my wife are going to get up and have a twelve-part series on sex. And uh, and that, listeners, <laughs> if you think Jake is kidding, that has actually been done. 
uh, somewhere on the planet Earth. So, anyways, yeah, no. So let's get, proclaim the message. That's what we have to do. And and again, as you pointed out, like a lot of people think that people who are moving away from sound doctrine, as uh, we read here in verse three of chapter four, these itching ears, they want to kind of have these heretical doctrines. Uh, it's not um, often, sometimes it's the case that these are preachers that will kind of deny the divinity of Christ or minimize the divinity of Christ or, uh, you know, attack what we would call creedal orthodoxy, the things that are said in the Nicene Creed. Occasionally you'll have preachers that'll say the resurrection is not really that important or whatever. But uh, I think the way the church uh, has itching ears for unsound doctrine is the stuff you've alluded to. Uh, we want not Jesus saves us. We want what we have to do to make God happy with us. Tell yeah. us those things, whether mm-hmm. it's a conservative version or whether it's a progressive version. Everybody thinks that to be a good Christian is about behavior, and we want people to tell us how to do that. And um, and people don't want to hear that they're saved by grace alone through faith yeah. alone. They want to have something to do. Uh, and th- again, this is something that Paul had to spend most of his letters arguing about in the New Testament, uh, that unless um, it's, it's either all going to be by grace or it's not. You can either get the kingdom given to you for free or you can have it as wages that you have to work for, but you can't have both. And if you try to bring the law in a little bit, you bring in the whole law mm-hmm. and you're right back under the, the letter of death that kills that Paul always mm-hmm. said. So the the challenge and so what Paul is telling Timothy to do is to continue to bring people back again and again to Jesus Christ and, and to faith mm-hmm. in him. So again, the reproof, the correction, the uh the rebuking that uh that Timothy talks or that Paul tells Timothy here to do. Again, a lot of times we think that reproof and correction means you know, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. That's the job of the preacher, to tell people to to not do bad things. And certainly, there are bad, evil, self-destructive things and things that destroy others that I think there can be a time a preacher can give that word, and it's important to do so as we, as we care for our flocks. Yes. But the other thing, I think a lot of what is in mind here is not moralism or legalism, that kind of reproving or correction or rebuking. Um, it is more reproof, uh, mm. correction. Don't go down the, wo- the way of legalism. Don't make your Christianity again into some law you have to follow. Bring them, bring them back to Jesus as you yourself go back to the scriptures. And again, you go back to the scriptures not to uh, collect points, but you go back because that's what points you to Jesus, the one who saved you. And we forget that. We always want to make it about ourselves, what we do, and how we get better. Um, but Jesus reminds us again and again, it's he that does it all for us. And that's, as a preacher, the re- thing we need to tell our, that's our right. congregations. And I, love, I so. love how he wraps it up. He's like, as for you, always be sober, endure suffering. But he says here, do the work of an evangelist, you know, and uh, a yep. lot of people, you know, people are like, oh, well, you're just so evangelistic. That's such an, that, well, that's the job, to, <laughs> you know, to, to, to herald the gospel, you know, right. and so, and, uh, and then that is car- to carry out the ministry fully. And so um, that's uh, exciting stuff. And so then, so when we come to this, how do you do the work of an evangelist with a parable like Luke chapter 18, verses one through eight? A parable of um, an unjust judge. Yep, so we know right off the bat this is not Judge Judy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an unjust judge. Or Judge and, and Joe Brown. Yeah, so many options. <laughs> judge Wapner. There's, uh, there are so many um, 
Jesus wants us to understand that this is not a good judge. This is a corrupt judge. That's what it means. He neither feared God nor had respect for people. That means his hand was outstretched for a bribe. Um, he didn't care what was actually right in the situation. This is the worst thing. And by the way, the verse 1 of chapter 18 of Luke here tells us why Jesus is telling this. He is telling people who are tempted to be discouraged because they, they are praying, yeah. but they're beginning to lose heart. And so Jesus says, this mm -hmm. is how you need to pray and not lose heart. So let me tell you a story. There was a judge who was the worst. He was corrupt. He was slimy. He was uh, uh, just, um, you know, letting the big oil companies and big tobacco and big pharma just get away with everything. And get just away crushing, with everything. Yeah. Crushing the little guy. We're going to drill in, uh, we're going to drill in national parks. That's right. And so um, uh, here comes along an old widow. Uh, an old yep. widow, and she says, "Grant me justice against my opponents." And and uh, what is a what is a widow in the ancient world? A widow is a woman with no rights at all. Um, this is very important. She's a widow with no rights at all because she has no children. She has no husband. Um, if you were a widow in those days, uh, boy, tough luck. And so she has no right in a court of law at all. And so, but she keeps, uh, she keeps uh, asking, grant me justice for my, against my opponents. Yeah. And, and the, again, she has nothing to give him. She cannot bribe him, which she clearly maybe would want. Um, and so he does refuse. Uh, it's sort of interesting. He says to himself, I don't fear God or respect anyone. He's like really honest about how terrible he actually is. But he's like, even though I know I'm so terrible, I'm just getting annoyed by this person. And so I will grant her justice just so she will not wear me out by continually mm. coming. So I think, um, and so Jesus sets up this sort of extreme and rather ridiculous situation mm. just for kind of rhetorical mm -hmm. effect. And he's saying, look, even if the worst, slimiest, creepiest judge uh, that you can ever imagine, even he will grant a persistent request simply so that he doesn't have to keep getting up from the couch and answer the door um, while he's uh, watching, um, uh, you know, Judge whatever Joe his, Judge Joe Brown. <laughs> yeah, so he, even he, and so if, if someone's so morally repulsive and evil will grant a request, how much more will God do it? Yeah. Um, to those oh, who cry to him day and night. That's right. And and so and remember, this is this this actually, when you begin to remember what a parable is, and we've said it on this show several times, it's an earthly illustration of a heavenly truth. You begin to see kind of what Jesus is actually talking about. And this sheds light on the rest of the passage. So you have a widow, remember, she's got no rights, um, and she's going into a court pleading. Um, that is you in the parable. Uh, you mm. have no right to even um, approach the throne room of heaven, you know, uh, to approach this judge. In God's eyes, um, apart from Christ, uh, you are worse than the widow. But the point is, is that you have no, uh, you have no rights before God. And the unjust judge, the reason why Jesus uses this phrase is because this is what the world perceives God as an unjust judge naturally, you know, uh, and uh, in, indeed when you take grace to its highest pitch, well that's the moment you hear the world yell, that's not fair, you know, so mm. this is really what Jesus is getting at as an illustration of how the world perceives God and how um, 
apart from Jesus, you're perceived. You know what I mean? There is mm-hmm. no like, and this, so this is a tough thing. So do not lose heart because this God has not forgotten you. This God is a just God who loves sinners. And so, um, and uh, will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Absolutely. Will he delay long in helping them? Well, do not count, as Peter tells us, do not count God slow as some count slowness. You know, he is working it out. And uh, he is going to grant justice, and indeed he already has granted justice when it was mediated out on the cross. And you who are guilty, you who are a widow, have now been found not only not guilty, but completely innocent. And so then this makes sense of the last sentence. And so when the Son of Man comes, when will he find faith on the earth? This isn't about morality. Do not preach about, well, is he going to find us running a soup kitchen? Is he going to find us doing laundry love? Screw that. That's not what this is about. (laughs) This is about faith. And is he going to find people who believe in this unjust judge, that he's actually merciful, that he's good, and that he's kind, and that he showers you with his grace? Yes, because that's you. You're in there, you're listening, and this word is transforming you. This work of the evangelist is transforming the hearers and actually giving them hearts of flesh, instilling that law on the inside so that they might bear good fruit. So will he find faith on the earth? Yes, because it's in your congregation. Oop. And by the way, listeners, I, I approve of laundry love and uh, soup I do kitchens. Too. Sorry I like, about that. I like I like both laundry and soup. <laughs> but uh, just and to, and if you're in those ministries, praise God. We're glad you are. Um, this is I need everybody to approve me. I Jacob, am... however, has a much thicker skin. He doesn't care how people feel about him. But I love you, and I need you to love me. The... But I think what Jake's saying is that neither soup kitchens nor laundry love will save you. Yeah, well, that and I do. I mean, I do that because I love laundry love too, and I love soup kitchens <laughs> and uh, everything. But um. But the point is, is that's not the main thing. Yeah, and that amen. is the only way that the church, I mean, people are like, I mean, we saw the, the numbers of the Episcopal Church just recently. I mean, it is hemorrhaging members. It's yep. hemorrhaging members. Like the church, like across the country, and it's not just the Episcopal, but it's hemorrhaging members. And why? Because we're not doing the work of an evangelist. We are not giving people the one word that creates faith to believe yep. in the God who saves. And that's our ministry and calling, and I'll get off my rent now, too. But just all that to say, I do love Laundry Love, and I do love Zoo Kitchens. <laughs> yeah, and listeners, so you know, when we started this podcast, uh, you know, we do this, we, we have, uh, we, Jake and I can see each other across the thousands of miles. And while he was speaking at this last uh, little part here, I could see smoke beginning to rise from his head. <laughs> it's now filled the room like a cloud of incense, uh, which is a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of the Lord. That's Shekinah so. glory. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think uh, we're on thin ice. We should probably quit now. Yeah, uh, I think we, I think we have hopefully proclaimed the message and uh, rightly divided the word of truth here. And empowered uh, you to do the same. Preach that gospel. Do the work of an evangelist and carry out your ministry fully. And uh, if the fruit of that is laundry love, praise God. But remember, that's not the main thing. The root mm. is preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. That's right. Well, we'll hear. We'll we'll talk to you guys next week as we as we uh, um, continue in these final days of the season of Pentecost. Until then, party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. Hey, 
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.